we'll put it that way, or that you may have never been. And Goliath must fall. We all we all struggle with fear of something. There's a giant. There's a giant in your life somewhere. Whether you know where it is or you don't know where it is, there's a giant somewhere. And so we want you to get involved in one of these two groups. You can stop by today over here at Impact Central, and we have registration sheets over there where you can sign you and your uh, your spouse up for whichever one you want to be a part of. You can also do that this week. It'll be available online. So if you want to go online, it'll also be available on the app. So you can go on the app and register on there as well. All of our iGroups are free. The only thing we ask is if you want the participants guide or the study guide, we have those available beginning next weekend at the Impact Store. So you can get the the participants guide, study guide, whatever you need back there, the materials you need back there for your group. But everything else is covered. And like I said, we do have child care available also. So keep that in mind. Now, how is everybody doing with 21 days of prayer and fasting? (laughs) We're on day 14, so we're on the downhill slide of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And some of you are thinking, this is going to be the longest week of my life. But you will survive. I think there's a song that says something about that. We will survive, all right? The, the, the point of 21 days of prayer and fasting is not to get God to do what we want him to do. I thought I'd get a little bit better, amen. You know, last, last week I was, told by, I was told by somebody close to me, one of my, my friends, he said, you should have probably waited until the end of the message to talk about how we're going to build each week of the fast because there were probably people that had some Dr. Pepper waiting in the car, <laughs> Or had, you know, they were looking forward to that cup of coffee as soon as they left church that had the caffeine in it. Or that snack when they got home. And I didn't get a whole lot of amens and a whole lot of yeah and a whole lot of clapping or anything in the message last week. And so I'm taking a risk today by talking to you about the fast again before we get into the word. But you're not going to let, I know you, I know know you guys, you're not going to let, you're not going to let 21 days of prayer and fasting keep you from getting what God has for you today, right? (laughs) You're not going to let you're going to not going to let 21 days of prayer and fasting keep you from what God wants to do in you today because this is supposed to be a building block, something that you build off of and that launches you into 2018. And you remember we talked about we talked about not getting fleshly. How many of you have been dealing with some fleshly <laughs> this last week? You get about into week 2 and it's like, "Ooh, we're taking away, you know, it's one thing sugar and caffeine, but we start taking away food from people." Now, I'm really, I'm really asking you don't get fleshly in week three because some of you have been, you've been dreading this week since you got the card <laughs> because what we're asking you to do, we're asking you again, not, not telling you it's totally up to you, but just a suggestion that we continue to build off of each week. We took the sugar and caffeine fast into week two and we were doing that with some type of food fast and now we're going to take both of those into week three and we're adding something in week three that if you'll look on your card or if you have your card or maybe you've already most of you probably know what's coming in week three but we're doing what we're calling a technology fast so i know that most of you uh, probably need some kind of technology for work purposes and things like that i do as well that's not what we're talking about but what we're talking about is the excess come on the every every 13 minutes when you click on facebook to check and see if if 10 people have liked your post yet or Instagram making sure you know you got the notifications popping up on your phone and for some of us you may need to go ahead and delete the apps from your phone right sometimes you know sometimes you got to flee temptation 
You just got to get rid of all the temptation to even do it. And what I'm encouraging you to do when you would normally click on Facebook or you would click on Instagram, download the Bible app. If you already have it on your phone, click on that, read a, a plan, read something during that day, take that moment that you, 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 know, you normally, because here's what's going to happen. When you, when you start taking this away, you're going to notice how much you get on it. You're going to notice how much you get on Facebook, and you're going to notice how much TV you watch. We haven't even gotten there yet. You're going to notice how you like to unwind every night like we do. And you sit down and you watch some TV for a little bit and you kind of check out, you know, been a long day, we're going to check out, that type of thing. But what we're doing is we're replacing something that tends to have a little bit of control in our lives with, with focusing on Jesus. And I believe that this last week, if we will go all in and we will do what, what God's calling us to do, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you even, and we'll go through with it, that we'll, we'll begin to see God do some things in our lives. Because we don't realize how much we depend on and how much we use technology and Facebook and Instagram and, and TV and movies and all of that stuff until we start to kind of detox from it. And so don't get fleshly, right? Don't, don't start yelling at your kids because you haven't been able to watch your show. Some of us are going to feel like we're losing our minds because we don't know what's going on all over the world on Facebook. But we will survive, and next Sunday we'll be better for it. Amen? Amen. So keep that in mind. If you don't have one of these cards or you need another one, you can pick those up. Like I said, we have plenty of these. You can grab one of those if you need a reminder in that way. And I do want to say this, and I promise we're going to get into part three and what we're going to talk about today, but... We want to say this, uh, for those of you, most of you know, but for those of you that don't know, we had, obviously, we had uh, a, another child almost two weeks ago, and so we're, yeah, <laughs> we're pretty excited about it. We were hoping you might be too, but you know how that goes, but uh, we want to say thank you because there have been a ton of people that have dropped off food and sent food and, and cards and texts and all this stuff, you know, checking on us, do you need anything? I mean, people have just gone above and beyond. So if you fall into one of those categories, from the bottom of our hearts, we just want to say thank you for everything that you've done, everything that you've bought, everything that you've provided, everything, just every text, every call, whatever you've done uh, that, that maybe God laid on your heart to do as an encouragement during this time. And uh, we're getting settled and getting adjusted. And it's amazing how you, you get used to doing life one way and then you you, you add another kid to it, and it's like, well, there's a whole new way of doing life now, right? And so we're getting adjusted, we're getting settled, and everybody's doing good, but we wanted to say thank you uh, publicly to all of you who have been a part of that and just blessing us. And uh, today we are in part three of a series that has been our word for the year that God is speaking to us called Overflow. January the 7th, we introduced this word that God had been speaking to my wife and I for a few months and we're talking about overflow, and we, we've talked about a few things. In week one, maybe you'll remember, we talked about getting prepared, getting in position, and having the right posture. That you can't receive an overflow from God if you're not prepared for it, if you haven't emptied out all of the stuff. Come on, some of us in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, that's what we're doing. We're emptying out all the junk that we put in our life for the last 11 months, 12 months, and we're emptying it all out so we can say, God, you, you pour into me whatever you want to pour into me so that it can overflow onto other people. And we got to get in position, and we got to have the right posture. We have to be upright. 
And we read a scripture where Paul basically said, if we put it in terms for our series, that the overflow, it's better to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So what he's saying is the overflow is better than what's in the cup. So the stuff that you're pouring out onto other people is always better than the stuff you're just hoarding for yourself. Whatever you're giving away, whatever you're pouring out, whatever's spilling out of you onto everybody else around you is always better than what you're just trying to keep for yourself. It's always better in the overflow than it is what's in the cup. And then last week we talked about that one thing. And we all have that one thing. We all have a hundred things that we could do in 2018, but we all have that one thing that we know we need to do. There's the one thing that you know in 2018, I need to work on this. I need to do this. I need to break that. I need to mend this relationship. Whatever it is, we all have that one thing. And so we've talked about those things in this series so far. And today, I'm excited about this message because I really believe that it's going to help a lot of us today, myself included. And today, I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this subject, tables and chairs. Tables and chairs. If you're taking notes, that's the title of the message today. Tables and chairs. Tables and chairs. And I want to get us started today with just a few questions. And we're going to put these on the screen so that you can see them. Some of us, we're more visual. That's the way I am. Have you ever been praying for something but not seeing an answer? Has anybody ever been praying for something and you have not been seeing the answer? You have not, you don't know why you're not seeing the answer. You haven't figured it out, but you're praying for something, you know, and you're not seeing the answer. God, we have a need that we want you to meet. And we're not seeing the answer. You know, God, I pray that you would provide like only you can, but I'm not seeing it. It's not happening. Here's another question. Have you ever been believing that God was going to do something for you, but it wasn't happening? You really believed in your heart that God can do what he said he would do, but for some reason, it's not happening. I'm not seeing it. I don't know what else there is that needs to be done. I'm believing, God, you're able. I know you can, but for some reason, it's not happening. I believe you're able to do what, you're, what I'm asking you to do. I believe that my new job is just around the corner. I believe that my marriage is going to get better, but I'm just not seeing it happen yet. And here's the third question. Have you ever been expecting a miracle, but were disappointed because you weren't seeing it? Something that you knew there was a miracle that you were asking God for that you were expecting God to do. Maybe you went into 2017 and you like, this is, I know God is going to do this for me. And now you're in 2018, I know God is going to do this for me. I know that God is going to do this for me. But it's just not, you're not seeing it yet. There's nothing happening just yet. And I want to start off this morning and I want to tell you that what I'm about to share with you is not going to be a fix-all for all of your problems and all of your prayers, and it's not going to be the answer to everything. So don't, don't leave here today thinking, well, I did that, and it's not working. Sometimes, come on, how many of you know, sometimes we just don't understand what God's doing. Sometimes we just can't see it. Sometimes God's protecting us from something. Sometimes, you know, God's doing something behind the scenes that we don't know is going on yet. So don't take what I'm about to say. I believe this is true, and I believe this is going to help you, but this is not going to be the fix-all to everything, and so you're still going to have to take it to God in prayer and allow him to do what only he can do. But today I want to talk to you on this subject because I believe that what we're going to talk to you about today 
could be the answer to many of these questions that we've been asking ourselves, just like we read on the screen. And so I want to go to two stories in the Bible that I believe are going to help us in this area of prayer. And I want to especially focus on the second story that we read in just a moment. But you can follow along. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 9, or if you want to follow along on the screen, that's fine as well. It says, starting in verse 1, As Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind. He had been blind since he was born. Jesus' disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was this man born blind because he sinned? Which is kind of a crazy thought. How can he be born blind because you sinned? But there we go. Or did his parents sin? It isn't because this man sinned, Jesus said. It isn't because his parents sinned. This happened so that God's work could be shown in his life. Come on, do you know that sometimes God will allow things to happen so that he can get the glory out of it eventually? Sometimes God will allow you to be in a season. Sometimes God will allow things to happen to you. Sometimes God will allow you to be sitting there, not because he's punishing you, but because he knows eventually when this happens and the timing is right and all of this comes together, then I'm going to get all of the glory out of this, and we don't even know what all is going to happen when God gets all the glory out of it. Verse 4, while it is still day, we must do the work of the one who sent me. Night is coming, then no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the spit. Then he put the mud on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home able to see. So in, in, in story number one, we see Jesus doing something in an unexpected way. This man wanted to be able to see. He had not been able to see. People were asking all these questions. Why, why is he like this? Well, sometimes it's because God allows you to go through something so that he can eventually get the glory out of it. But the way that Jesus takes care of it is not the way that he thought he was going to take care of it. And he does something that's unexpected. Are you with me? He spits on the ground to make mud and he rubs it in this man's eyes. And so here's the second story I want us to look at. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5. I want to start in verse 1 here as well. We're going to go through verse 14. Naaman was the captain of the army of the king of Aram. He was very important to his king because the Lord used him to lead Aram to victory. Naaman was a great and powerful man, but he was also sick with leprosy. The Aramean army sent many groups of soldiers to fight in Israel. One time they took a little girl from the land of Israel. This girl became a servant of Naaman's wife. She said to his wife, I wish that my master would meet the prophet who lives in Samaria. He could heal Naaman of his leprosy. Naaman went to the king and told him what the Israelite girl said. Then the king of Aram said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman went to Israel. He took 750 pounds of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of clothes as gifts. Naaman took the letter from the king of Aram to the king of Israel. The letter said, now this letter is to show that I am sending my servant Naaman to you, cure his leprosy. When the king of Israel had read the letter, he tore his clothes to show he was sad and upset. He said, am I God? I don't have the power over life and death. So why did the king of Aram send a sick man with leprosy for me to heal? Think about it, and you will see that it is a trick. The king of Aram is trying to start a fight. Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, so Elisha sent this message to the king. Why did you tear your clothes? 
let Naaman come to me, then he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots to Elisha's house and stood outside the door. Elisha sent a messenger to Naaman who said, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. Then your skin will be healed and you will be pure and clean. Naaman became angry and left. He said, I thought Elisha would at least come out and stand in front of me and call on the name of the Lord his God. I thought he would wave his hand over my body and heal the leprosy. Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, are better than all the waters in Israel. Why can't I wash in those waters in Damascus and become clean? He was very angry and turned to leave. But Naaman's servants went to him. Come on, somebody say, thank God for the servants. And talked to him. They said, Father, if the prophet told you to do some great thing, you would do it. Isn't that right? But he said, wash and you will be pure and clean. So Naaman did what the man of God said. He went down and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times, and he became pure and clean. His skin became soft like the skin of a baby. So here we see a man who believed that he could be healed, makes this journey to be healed, shows up, finally gets to Elisha after going through the king, and he shows up at Elisha's door, and Elisha sends a servant sends some messengers down to tell him what to do so that he can be healed. And this story says that Naaman became angry and frustrated and disappointed and turned around and was just going to leave. And it, and it says that I thought at least he would come down and wave his hand over me and do some miracle working thing and call to the Lord his God and do all this. See, I had a picture in my mind. I had a picture in my mind of what this was going to look like. That when I showed up, somebody was going to come down and lay their hands on me and pray this long prayer with all these big fancy words and they were going to call on God because they're the mo and it was going to be the most holy person. It was going to be the most holy person was going to come downstairs and lay their hand on me and pray for me, and a miracle was going to happen, and it didn't happen that way. And so I'm frustrated, and I'm angry, and I'm disappointed, and I don't really know what to do, and I'm just going to leave. Because it doesn't look like I thought I had pictured it in my mind. There was, I thought it was going to look like this. But when I got there, it didn't look like that at all. And it makes me angry. It makes me frustrated. Come on, anybody been there? You've been asking, and you've been believing, and you've been expecting, and then you get upset when it doesn't happen your way. Come on, you've been praying. You've been believing. Some days it's better than others. You've been believing today I'm on a high, and so I'm really believing God can do it. Well, it didn't happen. Tomorrow I'm disappointed, and I don't really know if he can do it or not, or is he going to do it, or what is God doing? Does God even hear me when I'm praying? We've been praying, and we've been believing, and we've been expecting, and we've been getting frustrated and aggravated and angry at God sometimes because it's not happening the way that we had pictured it in our minds that it was going to happen. Are you with me? Come on, y'all gonna have to help me today because everything gets a little bit everything gets a little bit better when you guys shout back at me or when you clap your hands, when you do something to let me know that you're awake. <laughs> we get frustrated because it's not happening the way that we thought in our minds it was gonna happen. 
And I believe the reason we get upset when our prayers are not answered is because we sometimes have an incorrect perspective and expectation for answered prayer. If you were if you were here, uh, I don't remember how long ago this was, but we were in a series called "I Want to Believe But," and we talked about we talked about how God. We sometimes we think God is our genie in a bottle, and that everything revolves around me. <laughs> and when God didn't answer my prayer, then I'm mad at God because He didn't answer my prayer. Well, we don't know what God's doing in somebody else's life because of what we're going through in that moment. We don't know how God is using what we're in in the moment. To help somebody else because we can't see the big picture. We can't see it all. And I believe we get upset a lot of times because we have an incorrect perspective and an incorrect expectation for answered prayer because a lot of times we're praying for God to do this. We're praying for God to provide us a table or a chair, and sometimes God does not provide a table or a chair. See, when we're, when we're believing, we're thinking, we're, we're, we're praying, God, I need a table and I need a chair. And God says sometimes, this is what God does, this is what God will do to you. God says, here's a tree. But God, <laughs> maybe you, let me pray again. <laughs> because maybe you misunderstood what I was needing. See, I need a table and I need a chair. And God said, God says, here's your tree. But God, come on, we do this. God, God's already answering the prayer, but we keep on praying because it's not what we wanted. But God, I need a table and a chair. You know, and two chairs would be even better, God. A table and a couple of chairs. That would be really, really good. That's what I need in my life, a table and a chair. And God says, here is a tree. But I need a table and some chairs. God says, here is a tree. Too many times we're praying for tables and chairs, but God doesn't always do tables and chairs. He does trees. Sometimes God doesn't do exactly what we want him to do. God, sometimes God does a tree. You ever been to Ikea? You ever seen what the furniture looks like? And then you bought it? And you get it home, and it's like 137 pieces <laughs> to put together. Come on, you walked in, you walked in, and you thought, "Man, that's a good-looking table. That's a good-looking chair. Those are good-looking cabinets. Boy, I like that couch. Man, this is awesome." And then you, and then you bought it. You told them you wanted it, and they sent you a bunch of pieces. <laughs> They didn't load it up. They didn't load it up on a trailer all put together for you. Here are your cabinets. All you got to do is just hang them on the wall. Well, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> but there's a lot more to it than that. When I, walked, when I walked in, though, I saw how it was all put together. And I want the table and I want the chair. I don't want all the pieces. I don't want the tree. I want the table. I don't want to have to do anything. I want you to just give it to me. Just drop a table and some chairs in my lap and answer my prayer, and everything will be great, and I'll still like you, God. And tomorrow I might ask you for something else because you did what I wanted you to do. I want the table and chairs, but God sometimes does trees. 
I believe sometimes we're praying for things that God just isn't going to do for us. And I think sometimes we're frustrated because we're praying the wrong prayer. Sometimes we're frustrated because we're praying for something that God says, I, I just, I can't do that. There's something bigger that I want to do, and I can't do that. I just, I'm, I'm not going to do that for you because it's not actually, it's not going to help you. It'll actually hurt you. It's not going to be beneficial for you. It's actually going to be the opposite for you. If I do, if I just give you a table and some chairs, it's not going to help you. It's not going to be what you thought it was going to be. And God doesn't do it. It's not because he can't do it. And it's not because he doesn't want to do it. It's because he knows what's best for you. And he knows what's best for me. And God can see all the way to the very end. And he knows if I give them a table and chairs right now, it is not going to help them and it's not going to get them where I need them to be 10 years from now. And I know they can't see it right now. And I know they're frustrated right now. And I know they don't get it right now. And I know that they're mad at me right now. And I know that I'm running the risk of them possibly turning and walking the other way right now. But I just can't give you that because it's not going to get you where you need to be. It's not going to get you to the destiny that I have for you in the future. If I just give you the table and chairs, I need to give you a tree. I need to give you a tree. See, a lot of times we're praying for God to make our marriage better. We're praying for God to get us another job. We're praying for our kids to live purely as they go through their teenage years. We're praying for God to send us a check in the mail. We're praying to reach people for Jesus. And can God do all of that? Absolutely. Can God just, can a check just appear in your mailbox? Absolutely. And I'm not telling you that God will not do it that way. I'm just telling you that chances are, if you're praying for that, you're probably praying the wrong prayer and you're frustrated about it because you're asking for a table and chairs and God says, here's your tree. God doesn't always do it like this. Many of us, maybe some of us, can remember a time when we were kids where our parents, come on, you remember this? Did your parents ever make you earn something? They made you work for it? If you wanted an Xbox, go mow some yards. <laughs> Start raising some money. You want a car when you turn 16? Raise half. Get a job. Do something to do something to pay your half, do something to do your part, do something, you know, whatever. And here's what happens a lot of times. We wanted the perfect spouse, and so we need to focus on being the perfect spouse. And we're frustrated because God's not giving us what we want him to give us, but we wouldn't want it anyway if he gave it to us because he knows what's best for us. We think we know what we need, but we don't know. God knows. God knows. If your parents always just got you whatever you wanted, chances are that you began to form a mentality of entitlement. If you just always got whatever you wanted, chances are that you became entitled. And when you didn't get what you wanted, I should get what I want. I've always gotten what I want. I should just get what I want. I should just get what I want. I've always gotten it. I want it again now. And if God took care of every single detail exactly the way 
that you wanted him to take care of everything or that I wanted him to take care of everything, there is a chance that we would become entitled. And we would feel like, you know what, God, last time you gave me a table. So I want a little bit bigger one this time. Last time, God, you provided a way for us to get that. You provided us a way to get out of that. You provided a way for us to do something that we didn't think was possible. And you did it exactly how we wanted it. And if you do that enough for somebody, they just begin to expect it. I just suspect that every time that I ask God for something, he's just going to do exactly what I want. Every time I ask you for something, you're just going to do exactly what I want. We just form, we naturally form this mentality of entitlement. And could it be, could it be that the reason we become angry and frustrated when God doesn't do what we want him to do is because we have an attitude of entitlement? We think that God should do everything that we want God to do because we know what's best for us and we don't want to go through a season and we don't want to be here and we don't want to do that and we don't want to sit in this for a while and we don't want God to work. Come on, we don't want God to work. In, we just want God to work something out here and do something for us, but we don't want God to do something in us. And God's more concerned about doing something in you than he is about doing something for you. He's not always going to do it for you. Sometimes he'll do something in you so then he can do it through you. Not always just for you. The truth is that God not only wants to provide for you, but he wants to do something in you. So when we're praying for healing, sometimes God will provide a doctor. Just getting practical for a minute. When we're praying for healing... Sometimes, I'm not telling you that God does not miraculously heal because I believe that God miraculously heals, but sometimes we're frustrated because God's trying to put somebody in our path that can help us, that he wants to use to do the job so that he can get even more glory out of it, but we're not, we're not stepping into it because we think, God, I just want my table and I want my chairs, and God said, here's a tree, here's a doctor that I want to use because his life's going to be changed through this whole scenario if you'll just go see him. Sometimes God will do that. When we're praying for financial provision, to try to get out of a debt maybe that we've gotten ourselves into, sometimes God will provide you another job opportunity. See, sometimes we just want God, I just want you to figure, I want you to just send somebody my way, and I want you, now can God do that? Absolutely. Can a check show up in the mail? Absolutely. Can God send somebody your way to just take care of something for you? I believe that with all of my heart. But sometimes we're frustrated because that's what we're waiting on when God says, well, here's another job opportunity. Maybe if you'll just do this for a little bit, you can get the funds that you need to be able to get out of that, and you won't have to do it forever, but you need to do it for a season because I'm doing something in you, not just for you. When we're praying for a great job, sometimes God will provide an opportunity to learn something new and grow. But God, I just, wanted, I just want the job. God said, well, here's your opportunity to learn something new and to start growing and to be content where you are and allow me to do what I need to do where you are. And when we get there, we'll get there. We're praying, we're praying for God to just transplant us into a new position, a new job, or whatever. And sometimes God says, I can't, I can't just give you the table. I can't just give you the chairs. I've got to give you a tree. I've got to do something in you, and I've got to teach you something through this or whatever it is 
that God wants to do. We're praying to reach many people. Come on, this was our prayer before we ever started the church. When we were just a handful of people and then 20 people and 25 people just saying, yep, let's start a church. Let's do it. God says to do it. Let's start a church and let's just see, let's see what God does. And we're praying to reach people. And here's, here's what God does. We say, God, we just want to reach people. We just want to reach people. And here's what God does. God sends you and me. God brings you into a building so that you can catch a vision for what he wants to do in a city. And he sends you and me. See, we're the tree. And we want God to just drop everything in our lap. But God sends people and people with influence and people that have been through things and people that have a story and all of this so that he can use people to reach more people. We're praying to reach people and God sends you. God sends you. We're praying for our kids to remain pure. God, I really want my I really want my kid. You know, they're going through like they're about to get into the teenage years. And I know we're not there yet, but we got just a few more years. And God, I really just want them to live right. I want them to know right from wrong. I want them to live purely. I want them to stay close to you. I don't want them to go off doing all this other stuff. And here's what God, God, I just want my table and want my chairs. And here's what God says. God says, I'm going to provide you opportunities to have conversations with your kids that will lead them in the right direction so that when they are older, they will not depart from the way that they have been taught because that's a lot of the way that God works. And we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and we need to be praying. This is not a message against prayer. We need to be praying. We need to be praying for our kids. We need to be praying for our spouse and our marriage and our job and our finances and all of that stuff. But sometimes we're praying for things that we want God to just give us. And God says, here's a tree. Here's your opportunity to have conversation with your kids. I'm going to open their heart so that they can hear and take in what you have to say to them. Or we're praying for a thriving marriage. And this is, this is the first one. As I was preparing for this, this is the first one that popped into my mind, but I saved it for toward the end on here because, you know, we can all kind of relate to this one in some way. Even if, even if you're not married, I want you to listen to me. Even if you're not married, because if you get this right from the very beginning, then you'll be in good shape. We're praying for a thriving marriage. God, I want my marriage to get better. I want you to do something. God, you just need to, and a lot of times we're praying, God, you just need to change them. God, you need to change my husband. You need to change my spouse. You see what they're doing, God, and you need to just change them. Just do what only you can do and just make it better. We're praying for our marriage to be thriving, and God will send you a babysitter. I want my, God, I want my marriage. My marriage is not what it should be. I know it needs to be better. I know it could be better. I know there's more to this thing than that. And here's what God will say. Here's somebody who can watch your kids once a week so that you can go out and invest in time in your marriage so that you can make it better. But God, I want, I want my marriage to be better now. I want my kids to live right now. I want the financial situation to be better now. I want my table. I want my chairs. And God says, here's a babysitter. Here's your tree so that you can take the tree and build yourself a table and build yourself some chairs because if I just did this for you, it wouldn't do near as much in you as what I can do in you if I give you a tree and let you do the work and let you invest the time into it. We're praying for tables and chairs and God doesn't always do tables and chairs. 
Sometimes God just wants to give you a tree so that he can do something in you. We're praying for a job and God provides applications to fill out. Come on, somebody. God, I need a job. God, I need a job. God, I need a job. Well, have you applied? <laughs> Sometimes you have to apply before you get a job. I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying we're praying for God, I want a job, God, I want a job, God, I want a job. But sometimes God's going to give you a tree and say, hey, you need to go here and here and here and here. And you need to fill out an application and meet with them and let them meet you so that you can get a job. We're just, we're just being practical. We're praying for tables and chairs. And a lot of times God's going to do a tree. God's going to hand you a tree or plant a tree and say, here, here's the answer to your prayer. But what are you going to do with it? Here's the answer to your better marriage. What are you going to do with it? Here's the answer to your kids. What are you going to do with it? Here's the answer to your promotion. Here's the answer to your healing. Here's the answer to the miracle. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? I was thinking also about this story in the Bible. Maybe you've heard this story or read it if you grew up in Sunday school or something like that. Uh, and I actually think there, I think this is one of the stories in one of our age groups and iKids today, they're talking about this story, which is kind of ironic. But I was thinking about the story where Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding. First miracle. And I was asking myself this question. I, like, it just popped into my head while I was preparing. And I thought, why do I have this story in my head? Because I was not planning on using this story. And God, and God said, when did the miracle happen? When did the miracle happen? Because we think, well, God turned water into wine and all this stuff. When did the miracle happen? What did Jesus do when they asked him for something? He said, there are the jars. Go fill them up with water and bring them back to me. See, Jesus didn't walk over and say, water, wine, you know, there we go. He said, okay, you need me to do something for you. There are the jars. There is the water. If you'll go over there and you'll put the water in the jars and then bring the jars of water to me, then I'll do what I can do. But if I do it all for you, you're not going to get it. Sometimes God just knows if he does it all for us, we're not going to get it. We're not going to get everything that we need to get out of the situation if God just does everything for us. When we're praying for tables and chairs, God is trying to provide a tree. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. Here's the bottom line this morning, and you can write these down. Is that God will always give you what you need, but it will sometimes require you to do your part also. God will always, always, if it's his will for your life, he will always give you what you need to make it happen. He will always give you the answer, but sometimes it's not going to look like the answer that you wanted it to look like. Sometimes the answer might look like mud in your eyes when you wanted to see. Well, I thought he would just wave his hand over my face and I'd be able to see. But he's putting mud in my eyes and telling me to go wash it off in the river. Sometimes, well, I thought that I thought he was just going to come downstairs and pray for me and call out to God and you know lay hands on me and do all this. And he's telling me to go to this river. It's not even as good as the rivers where I'm from, and go dip seven times in the river and then it's going to happen. 
Sometimes it doesn't look like we want it to. But God will always give you what you need. It's just sometimes going to require you to do your part. And here's a question for us to think about today. Could it be that God has already given you everything you need to receive the answer to your prayer? Could it be that God has already given you everything you need? He has already given you the answer to your prayer as you sit here today. Is it possible that he's already given you everything you need to receive the answer to your prayer today? Maybe the answer is waiting on you. Maybe it's just waiting on you. We could say it this way. If you've been praying for something and not seeing an answer, maybe it's because you are the answer to your prayer. This is not a fix-all for everything that you've been praying for. Because sometimes God just does things that we don't understand. His ways are higher than our ways. His, you know, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we're just not going to understand everything that God is doing because he's doing so much around us and in us and through us and all of this stuff. But could it be that if you've been praying for something, you've been believing for something, you've been expecting something, that you are the missing piece in the answer to your prayer? Could it be? Is it possible? You and I have a part to play. Will you stand with me today as we close? You and I have a part to play in God's plan and what he wants to provide and bless us with. And God wants to give us a tree so we can make tables and chairs out of it. God wants to, see, if you want to be someone who overflows onto other people, you got to let God do something in you. Sometimes we just want, we're praying for the table chair, we're just praying for the overflow. God just pour it all out on me so that I can overflow on other people. Well, sometimes God knows I've got to do something in you before I can give you that. I've got to do something in you so that then you can overflow. Because God knows that if you got it now, you wouldn't use it right. Or if it happened in that way, it wouldn't benefit as many people as what he wants to benefit so that he gets more glory out of the whole situation. See, God knows more than we know. I don't know if you know that or not. But God knows and understands more than you and I do. And I believe with all my heart, I don't think there's a person in here, I don't know, maybe there is, but I don't know if there's a person in here that does not want to overflow on other people because It's just like Paul said, the overflow is better than what's in the cup. Whatever you're keeping for yourself is not as good as what you're going to be able to just pour out on other people throughout 2018. But we have to allow God to do a work in us. We have to allow God to strip us of some things through this. And I'm challenging you. As you go through this last week of these 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're, we're, you know, probably what... It's going to be, I'm just preparing you, it's probably going to be your hardest week yet because the enemy does not want you to finish it and, and we're all addicted to our phones and TV anyway. But as you go through it and you do what God's calling you to do, God's going to do something in you. God's going to do something in you. So don't forget, make time for God. Don't just, don't just turn the TV off and sit there in the silence. 
If you need to, if God told you to sit there in the silence, then sit there in the silence. But you need to be praying. You need to be reading the Word. Spend some time with Jesus while you're not doing something that you normally do. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I thank you for your Word today. God, I thank you for what you're speaking to us in this series, in this year. Lord, I pray right now that we would that we would all allow you to search our heart, to do something in us. God, to show us if there's somebody we need to forgive. Show us if there's something we need to mend. Show us if there's a relationship we need to be the first person to step out and try to mend that relationship or to say we're sorry. God, I pray for every ounce of pride in this room to fall right now in Jesus' name. And that you would search our hearts. And as we go through this last week, God, that you would do something in us that only you can do. Do something in us that only you can do. And God, we give you permission to do it today. In Jesus' name, I don't want to invite the prayer team to come down. We're going to sing one final song.